If there was one thing, one topic that I had to pick about optometry that I just didn't like or just confused me and stressed me out, it would be double vision. So that's why I'm doing this podcast. Duh. It's the 2020 podcast. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the 2020 podcast. If you guys are new to my channel or my little podcast thing, it's not really a channel is it? No, it's not a channel. But if you guys are new to my podcast, then welcome. This is an optometry-based podcast where I talk about all things eye and optic related and try and bring new information to you guys that will help with everyday practice to students, to pre-regs, to residents, to locums, hopefully to everyone so we can all benefit and learn something new. Well, I think I'm definitely learning something new. And today we're going to be talking about, or I'm going to be talking about my senior gravis. So like I said before, double vision just stresses me out and I don't know why and I need to get over it, but I just can't. So when I have a patient who's complaining of double vision, honestly, like I just want a 180 out of the room. I think I have had quite a few scarring experiences as a pre-reg with prisms and with double vision. I remember my first ever patient I had to prescribe prisms to, I ended up prescribing prisms the wrong way around. And then I also had an OSCE station about intermittent vertical diplopia, which I failed as well. Um, And I guess that's what pre-reg is for, for like making these stupid mistakes. But I think it's set like a kind of phobia for vertical diplopia and double vision and prisms and right over left hypertropia and left over right and Maddox rod and I just I just can't do it but anyway I had a patient during the lockdown and he was complaining of intermittent vertical diplopia and when you think of that you are always well my mind always jumps to fourth nerve palsy but I did all the checks, I test cover test, motility in all positions of gaze, I checked abnormal head posture, and I even did the Belowski head tilt test, or whatever it's called, you know, when you turn the head and you see if the, the, the eye with the underaction shoots up, and none of it happened, and I didn't know what was going on, and I ended up referring him for suspect mycenia gravis. However, I then had this realisation that I actually don't know anything about mycenia gravis, Honestly, I don't think we've ever really been towards it properly at university. It doesn't come up in pre-reg at all. So I was like, I'm going to do a little episode on this. Why not? And hopefully if I come across it again, I'll have more knowledge about it as well. And then I was flicking through Acuity, the Acuity magazine and they did an article on my senior gravis. So I was like, I'm going to do it. So my first question, and probably what you're all thinking is, what even is my senior gravis? So if you Google what is my senior gravis, the first thing that comes up is obviously the NHS website. And it says that it is a rare long-term condition causing muscle weakness. Now, it's really important to know the age range that these people are affected by so that you can differentially diagnose if you do have a patient coming in with intermittent vertical diplopia. So women under 40 are more likely to have it and men over 60 are more likely to get it. And the classic symptoms involve atosis, intermittent diplopia, problems chewing as well, slurred speech, and weak arms and legs. But I think the last three come as the autoimmune condition progresses. Um, And also these symptoms all get worse when you're sleepy, so towards the end of the day, and they are better 
in the morning. So there's actually two types of mycenia gravis. So you have ocular mycenia gravis, which presents just in the eye and then you have mycenia gravis that affects the rest of the body so everyone with the condition will normally start off with benign ocular mycenia gravis and within two years 15% of the people who have ocular mycenia gravis will then progress into systemic mycenia gravis so the rest of the people will just have ocular mycenia gravis forever so more people will have it in the, just the eye rather than systemically. So what are you looking for in practice? This is what I was so confused about because I didn't actually know the symptoms I was looking for. So the first thing you need to look for is you need to look for complaints of headaches, atosis and intermittent vertical diplopia which gets worse towards the end of the day. So what tests would you do? Of course you would do cover tests in all positions of gaze and you would do motility as well and I'm assuming you'd pick up some sort of defect and then also check all the other neurological thingies like pupils, color vision, visual fields, red desaturation, um, and stuff like that. So what actually causes mycenia gravis? So let's start way back to A-level biology days, which were my favorite days. I absolutely loved A-level biology, but in our body, we have nerves and nerves send signals from the brain to the muscles. So they help us with movements and reactions. So if we touch something hot, our brain will send a signal to our muscle to say, move your hand and your hand will move. Now, within our body, we have a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine. And acetylcholine allows us to send signals from our brain to our muscles. So acetylcholine basically goes down these nerves and allows us to make movements and make reactions. Now in our nerves, we actually have gaps called synapses. So the purpose of these synapses is that they're meant to make our reactions faster. And at these synapses, what happens is acetylcholine is released and they kind of swim along in the gap to the other synapse. And there are acetylcholine receptors at the end of that synapse, which they then attach to each other and the signal continues down to the muscle and causes a movement. Now, if you have mycenia gravis, you have antibodies in your blood, which block and essentially damage these acetylcholine receptors. So therefore you have less transmission at the neuromuscular junctions. And so you have less muscle contraction and you have muscle weakness. Um... That was a bit confusing, I'm not going to lie, guys. If you don't understand that, I'm really sorry. But did you know that also you are more at risk of developing these issues? You're more at risk of developing mycenia gravis if you have autoimmune conditions. If you have things like lupus, thyroid disease, rheumatoid arthritis, you're more at risk at developing ocular or mycenia gravis. So that's important to remember when you are talking to a patient and doing history and symptoms. So when you're looking for mycenia gravis in practice... What are you looking for? So 75% of the cases will have atosis. So it can be in one eye or both eyes. So I think that's the most important thing to look for is atosis. And the second one is diplopia. And it will mimic a cranial nerve palsy. So differential diagnosing is really important because obviously they each have their different urgencies. So you don't want to be more laid back on something that should be going in as soon as possible. But really important to remember that with oculomycenia gravis, there is no pupil involvement. So how do they investigate 
Oculum Mycenae Gravis. So this is actually really interesting, I'm not gonna lie. So how they investigate it in practice is they do something called a sleep or ice test. So this is the idea that after you put on ice on your eye for five minutes, or after you sleep for 30 minutes, your muscle weakness or the, the defect that you have improves. And that's because as you rest or as you numb that muscle, there's an increased amount of acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. And so it reduces fatigue. So if you put ice on your eye for five minutes or you sleep for half an hour and your ptosis and your double vision improves, then you're more likely to have mycenia gravis. Now, the second thing that you can do to help the diagnosis of this is also immunological testing. So looking for that antibody. So the antibody that blo is blocking those receptors. So that antibody is called the anti-acetylcholine receptor antibody. It's found in 85% of people with mycenia gravis. And what is the treatment of my senior gravis. So the first method of treatment is to reduce the number of those antibodies in the blood and also to increase the amount of acetylcholine at the neuromuscular junction. So to reduce the amount of antibodies, you give them a medication. I don't know how to say it. It's called prit I don't know, I'm not going to try. But anyway, you give them this medication that reduces the antibodies. But you also need some form of immunosuppressant as well. So Oral prednisolone maybe will be given to people, but obviously that's got quite a few side effects. So long-term medication is methotrexate because they're not going to give oral prednisolone for too long because it's got too many side effects. Now, the ocular management to mycenia gravis is if you're symptomatic, then maybe you would have... So if you're symptomatic and you had a ptosis, you would do maybe lid taping or botulinum toxin or... Um, Another thing which was really interesting was a scleral contact lens to hold up the lid. I'd never heard of that or seen of that treatment before. So that's actually quite interesting. And if you were having double vision, maybe you'd develop an abnormal head posture or you'd have some prisms or frosted glasses or patches or something. Now you can also get exposure keratopathy from your eyelid not working correctly. Um, so what they would do is maybe therapeutic contact lenses or using ocular lubricants and maybe they would also do a surgery as well but they only do a surgery if the eye is stable for more than a year. So this was actually a really short podcast guys but to conclude the things that you need to look out for look out for intermittent vertical diplopia that gets worse towards the end of the day or when you're tired look out for existing autoimmune conditions that's really important as well and if you think that the patient is suspect you need to refer them ASAP to a neurologist for further testing I think everywhere is different in terms of where you're based and where you're working as a community practice so I would just call up um, your local ophthalmologist team and see how urgent they would want it if they're quiet and if their neurology team is quiet they might just want him him or her to come in as soon as possible so yes that was all from today this was a short one I thought this was going to be really boring but it was a short one it's snappy but I hope you enjoyed it and you learned something and if you guys are anything like me and stress out about prisms and diplopia and cover tests and motility then hopefully this has helped and maybe made things a little bit easier for you guys but thank you so much for letting me keep you company you guys know the drill make sure you like and follow on all the socials on the underscore 2020 podcast and please leave a review if you can do and hopefully we'll catch you on the next episode bye guys